Thank you for tuning in to the Free Your Energy podcast. Our mission is to explore conversation, stories, ideas, and information that can help us tap into our highest vibration. Energy is our thoughts, our actions, our way of life. Let's get to this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue. It turns out two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply mix a scoop into water, or if you have a plant-based milk that you enjoy, you can mix it into the milk. You can do this at any time of the day for a natural and organic boost of energy. Go to Organifi.com slash Sly, S-L-Y, and get 20% off any order. Organifi.com slash Sly and get 20% off any order. In this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast, we are sitting down with T.J. Smith. This man is a financial real estate guru. So we sat down with him and got some inside information on how we can do house hacking, how we can go about getting our first, second, third property, and the mindset it takes to set yourself free financially. You're going to love this. Let's get right to it. There's definitely a certain mindset that's needed, um, especially uh, if you're black, if you're if you're black specifically. Right. Because we come from a lot of financial trauma and we don't really understand what ownership means and how to obtain it. So first and foremost, you got to um, really think about your limiting beliefs, you know, where they're coming from. And you have to really, you know, uncover those and then figure out why you think this way. Right. So when it comes to buying a house, uh, simple things like you need 20% down to buy a house, right? Um, which is false if you live in a property. Um, things like that, you know, stop a lot of people from purchasing a property or they think that they they can't afford it. Or, you know, there's so many barriers when it comes to buying your first house that you have to address before it's even possible to you because other than that, it'll, it'll seem impossible. So really just uncovering, you know, all those limiting beliefs and, and truly thinking about why you believe you can't, you know, own a home if that's what you believe. So, how, I mean, how does a person do that? You know, if you grew up in an environment where finances were not talked about, where financial freedom was not modeled, where there was no rich people or financially free people, but you feel in yourself that you want to be that or that you're deserving of that. Like, where do you begin to to break away from like your family structure and, and kind of become your own person? I think a lot of it has to do with uh, educating yourself. Right. So seeking out those resources. Um, you know, we have the Internet. So going on YouTube, listening to podcasts, reading books, going to the library. And then once you start to gain this knowledge, um, you can find a mentor. So find a mentor. Um, and then after that, it's about taking action. So first it's about, you know, the want to and educate yourself. I like how I was looking at your your Twitter and uh, you had a post on February 8th. It said, it's crazy that I used to miss opportunities 
because I had a closed mind and a bunch of preconceived notions about how the world works. Can you give me an example of this, like what you had to go through or break through to kind of recognize that you're on the other side of a, you know, a mindset change? Um, so many things, man, uh, from like a financial aspect. So I played in the NFL for a couple of years and I thought, you know, this is the way, you know, um, making a ton of money at once. And I really didn't have like financial literacy. So I spent money quickly and, um, I passed up on like opportunities to grow my brand when I played in the NFL, um, opportunities to learn. And I was just so narrow minded. And I think I thought, you know, I had to be a certain way as a football player and as a man, um, you know, I, I, I just thought, you know, I had to operate a certain way rather than being open minded and learning from people. And it really took me um, failing and getting cut to really open up my mind to, you know, more perspectives. And even like um, I didn't think I can learn, you know, something simple as like I had trauma from school where I could I struggled reading, you know. And so taking that into my adult life when I'm trying to find myself after I get cut out the NFL, I'm like, oh, man, I can I learn? Like, can I learn? I don't know if I can learn. No, I don't know if I can read. Um, and so getting over that and opening my mind to like, okay, what can I learn from this? Um, how do I get through this and those things like that. And then when it comes to like real estate, um, just getting over, you know, that mindset of like, nobody in my family's owned a place. So this is a tall task rather than thinking that way, like, yo, like find somebody who has bought a house and figure out what they did to get that house, you know, um, in a similar situation than, you know, that I was in. And so that's how I found my mentor. And so really just going from, you know, thinking the world, the world works a certain way um, when you're growing up and you start to find your way in life and you think you're an adult and you think you've experienced some things and, you know, <laughs> you have this idea on how, you know, everything works and then things, you know, something happens to you, um, for me, I got cut. <laughs> um, and then, or it's like, I have a problem in my relationship or anything outside of, outside of myself. I start to, you know, if, if you reflect, um, you start to, you know, pick up on things and hopefully you learn, you know, you learn a lesson and you move forward. And so, um, just, you know, moments in life where you, you thought something was going to go a certain way and it didn't go that way. And then you got to ask yourself why, you know, when you get cut from playing in the NFL, this is, mm -hmm something that definitely can trigger an identity crisis. I mean, being an athlete your entire life, at least high school, college, and in the NFL, that's at least eight solid years between high school and college. And then uh, did you play peewee football? Uh, I played football in fifth grade, so I don't know if that's peewee or not. Okay, so yeah, so at least eight years before you even get to the NFL, this yep. is your identity, this is who you are, and then you lose it. You know, if someone decided, hey, you're, you're not deserving of this or you're not good enough or you're not the right person, whatever the story is. And so what was that moment like for you where you essentially lost a big part of your identity? You know, what, where did it take you emotionally? Man, I was lost. I thought my all my worth was into football, like as a person. You know, I felt like people in my life were only in my life because of my accomplishments and because I was good at football and nobody wanted to get to know CJ the person. Um, and those are preconceived notions as well. So like even like I cut a lot of people out of my life because I thought, you know, that's what they were for in my life. But <clears throat> besides that, you know, when I um, got cut, like I was lost, like I was really lost. I didn't know who I was. And I really had to pick up those pieces and really discover, you know, what I was passionate about, the things that I want to accomplish in my life um, and who I want to be in my life um, rather than a title. And so that's when I started thinking about life outside of like what I do, defining who I am. And so <clears throat> I really started to um, get into 
um, mindset and like NLP and things like that and hiring a life coach and, and really just trying to be a more objective with myself or have somebody be objective with me. <clears throat> and so, man, I was, I was really lost. Like I was stressed and lost and anxious, um, you know, sleeping in because I didn't have no, no worth, you know, I didn't know, like, I didn't have no passion. I had, you know, anything to do. So I'm sleeping in playing Xbox, um, while my wife is going to work, you know? <laughs> so that's not really what, a uh, you know, a man is, should be doing. And so, uh, I really had to, like, I was at some low, low points in my life. Um, and thankfully I did have my wife to help me and other people around me to help me. And, and I really started to dig deep into my soul and really just figure out who I am. And luckily I had that time. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I was extremely lost. So what would you say, just from a, a habit perspective, what were the the two or three like most important habits to getting yourself through that transition, you know, and getting yourself to a, a higher vibrational version of yourself? I would say a routine first and foremost, and I got this from my wife as well, is having like a, a morning routine and a nighttime routine. I think it's very important when you're trying to find yourself. Um, just doing the simple things, waking up, you know, early in the morning and just sitting with yourself, you know, having those thoughts come through and paying attention to those thoughts and not judging them and doing things like that. And then journaling, um, is another, um, you know, routine, an another thing that you should be doing in order to find yourself because you can reflect on those journals, um, and see, you know, judge your, <clears throat> like, if I look back on my journals from three months ago and figure out what I was going through and why I was going through it. And if I found a solution to that, then I can, you know, I don't have to make that same mistake twice. Um, and so journaling and, and then just your, your, your nighttime and your morning routine, I think going to bed, you, you made this post, um, not too long ago, you're talking about, you know, sleep and the importance of sleep. And I didn't value sleep as much when I was, um, a little younger than I am right now. And so really just going to bed at a consistent time and getting good sleep, I think is important. So tell me about your sleep pattern now, your sleep habit, your sleep hygiene, everything. Because that's a that's a big topic, man. It's so many people stand up late, watching shows, eating Cheetos, just, <laughs> you know, doing BS, sleeping in. And it's like, you know, I'm not here to judge anyone, but I definitely want to invite people to a higher quality of life. Like, that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So what are some of, and let me just be clear here, like, not only do I love movies, I also love Cheetos, which is why I mentioned <laughs> Cheetos. Like that's me, that's me being honest here. So what is, uh, you know, what's like your sleep routine like now? Uh, my sleep routine is a lot better. It's not perfect, but, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm in bed by eight 30, you know, eight 39 at the latest. And I'm winding down now. I, I try not to be on my phone. I charge my phone away from the bed, but sometimes I do bring the phone in my, uh, the phone in my bed. I can't lie about that. Um, but on my best days, um, I'm really in the bed with a book, um, winding down, reading that book and, you know, really just let my mind relax. And I'm, like I said, I'm in bed by nine, you know, at the latest, and, you know, from there on out, I'm, I'm asleep. I'm not really trying to go on social media and I'm not really trying to, you know, read something that's going to make my mind more active. I'm trying to read something that's going to make me calm, more calm. And once you start doing that more often, um, you just start seeing these benefits, <clears throat> you know, and like I feel like when I was younger, like staying up late was useless unless I'm being like creative or I'm trying to accomplish something, you know, rather than just wasting time. Um, that can be used to re-energize re myself. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it what it's like. So what time do you find yourself waking up in the morning? I wake up at around 6, 6 a.m. every morning. 
Um, just a slow morning. I like waking up early. I just had a tweet today. Actually, I like waking up early because nobody's awake, right? Um, there's no calls, no texts, or no emails, no nothing, and you get to, nobody else in the house is awake. So you get to be alone with yourself. A lot of times throughout the day, we don't get to be alone with our own thoughts and just let them wander, you know, or be creative or work out or whatever you got to do, you know, to be the best version of yourself. Um, you got to make that time out for yourself. And six a.m. is is it for me? I love getting up early in the morning because there is no noise. The life <laughs> we live is so noisy. There's so much energy. There's so much feedback. Uh, and since we're all using social media, there's so many opinions. And then there's a lot of facts that may not actually be a fact, right? It may just be posing as a fact. And so we're taking in so much output from this world. So I, I love to how you call you know, getting up at five, six in the morning, it's just you. It's just you in silence, which is such a, a crucial part of like our mental wellness. So what I'm gathering from you is that part of the things that you're preaching, house hacking, financial independence, picking the right partner, these are the themes that you, that you preach. What I'm gathering from you is like a lot of that has to do with your mindset first. Before you can get into you know, having the right partner or having the right career, a lot of it is examining your mindset first. And I really, really appreciate that. What I'm curious to know is step one, house hacking step one. Let's just say we have listeners who, you know, they're doing the things, they're doing their their, their work, they're taking care of themselves, they're taking care of their body, they're, they're in a job that feels good and they're in a relationship that feels good. And now they're at the point where they see inflation going up and they're like, man, I want some damn money. I want to, I want to be financially free. I want to stop working so hard. They're ready for it. Okay. Step one. What do you what do you advise for them to do? So usually I say step one is figure out your, you know, what you want out of life, your goals. And I think you kind of touched on that already. Um, like they want financially freedom. So if you already know your goals, um, figure out, you know, what strategy you want to use, right? So figure out what investing strategy you want to use. House hack is not for everybody. Um, so I don't recommend you like force yourself into that box, right? There's a lot of different strategies when it comes to real estate, but for some reason, people think, you know, flipping the house is like majority of what real estate is and it's not. So <clears throat> figure out the strategy that you want to use. And then right after that, uh, you want to speak with a lender or a loan officer because they're going to be the one who tells you exactly what you need to qualify in order to purchase a house and how much you can qualify for. So speak with the lender, um, give them all your documents, um, like your W-2s, your bank statements, and all that good stuff. And they'll tell you how much you're qualified for and what loan options you're qualified for. And then once you have that information, you this is when you can start, you know, shopping around for houses. So you can hire a realtor after that and start looking around um, for houses. Okay, I'm taking notes here. Um, so let me make sure I understand you right. So basically, you said there was three steps. Step one is figure out your goals, and then you want to figure mm -hmm. out the strategy that you want to use. And the strategy that you're using now is house hacking. And then step two is to speak with a lender or loan officer. Now, let's just break that down. Are lender and loan officer the same? Is that the same person? Is a loan officer a person who works for a lender? Like, Help me with the terminology. Yeah. So a lender is uh, a bank, right? And so you have really a, a direct lender or a, a loan officer. So a loan officer is a direct lender. So they work directly for a bank. And then you have a mortgage broker. And a mortgage broker is like the middleman and he shops your loan or your um, 
your qualifications. They shop your qualifications around to multiple banks, which gives you a variety of options. There's pros and cons to both of those. Um, if I am a person who has, you know, a lower credit score and I, it might be tougher for me to qualify, then I most likely want to speak with a mortgage broker because they're going to talk to multiple banks for me. Um, now, if I'm a person who has built a relationship with the bank or a local credit union and I've been there for years and I know the person there by name, um, then I probably want to go to a direct lender slash a loan officer uh, because I have that relationship built with them. And so, um, you know, I have a little bit of trust there. Um, so that's the two difference between, um, you know, direct lender slash loan officer and uh, a mortgage broker. Okay. And then step three in that process you said was shop around for a house and you would do that through a realtor. So what, what is a realtor? What, what role do they function? So a realtor uh, plays a lot of different roles um, in a real estate transaction. The first and foremost is their job is to guide you through the transaction um, and have your best interest in mind. So they, you know, they can help you find the property and run the comps on the property. So comps are just comparable sales. Um, and this pretty much gives you uh, the price that you should purchase a property at. Um, and this also depends on your goals as well. So they can help you figure out, you know, this cash flow number, which, um, <clears throat> you know, what I look for when I invest in real estate. Um, but then also, um, they're just, they're really there to make sure that the transaction goes through, uh, from my experience, when I hired a, a good realtor, they would be almost like a therapist because the trans the real estate transaction is so stressful. You're dealing with so many moving parts and the realtor is there to gel everything together and they're there to take care of everything for you. And then to go a step even further is, uh, a, you really have to take advantage of your relationship with your realtor because they have a lot of different, you know, connects. So when it comes to the leases, if you're leasing your place out or renting it out, they can help you get those. Um, when it comes to finding a handyman or doing the inspection, um, and, or if you need to find you know, a different loan officer, these are all things that a good realtor would do for you. So the pri your primary point of contact will be your realtor then, is if I'm understanding yes. that correctly. Yep. Okay. Now, you said something in there when you were talking, um, when you were talking about the difference between a mortgage broker and a direct lender. You mentioned, you know, you said uh, if a relationship was built, you would go with a direct lender. What does that mean when you say if the relationship is built with the with the bank? What does that mean? How do you build a relationship with the bank? Sure, uh, I think you already know this question. That's a good question, though. But um, just uh, you know, if if I have a checking account at a bank, you know, and uh, and I've had it there for years, and I have a savings account, uh, maybe I have you know a brokerage account through you know this bank. And I, I, I cash my checks there, you know, um, just those things, those banking activities that you do, um, if you've been doing it for a number of years and hopefully you've built a relationship with that bank and a relationship holds weight, you know, so when I call a uh, U.S. bank and I'm like, yo, I've been a customer here for 10 years, that's going to hold some weight rather than somebody who just signed up for an account because you're a loyal customer. And so um, just using that, to, using that as leverage, you know, um, in order to qualify for a house. Sometimes it's it's better to speak with a direct lender because you're speaking to one person and you're speaking to them face to face and they're going to tell you exactly where you are in the process rather than if I'm speaking with a mortgage broker, they're the middleman. So you're not speaking directly to the person who has you know control over this mortgage or this loan. So, um, yeah, that's what I meant by. Sorry, I was going off a little bit off topic, but that's what I mean by building a relationship with a, a direct lender. Got it. OK, so when we think of house hacking. The majority of the people listening to this podcast, this is going to be a completely new concept. So it's and it's new to me as well. So that's why I'm making, you know, I'm learning 
I'm learning with with the listeners as well. Sure. So the model we're used to is you there's two things we're used to. You go get an apartment, you rent the apartment, you pay your rent on the first. Um, or you take out a mortgage, you buy a house, you live in a house. Now, if I'm understanding house hacking correctly, what house hacking is, and, and cut me off, correct me, I'm just trying to make sure I understand. House hacking, there's a few ways to execute it, it sounds like. It sounds like option one would be you get the house, you live in the house for a minimum of a year, and then you move out of the house and then find tenants to live in the house, it sounds like. And it sounds like there's another option where you can get a duplex where you live in a portion of the house and then you get a tenant to live in another portion of the house and they're essentially paying for uh, the the total price of you know the mortgage that month. Mm-hmm. Are those two like the most two the best two ways to go about it? And did I explain it in an accurate way? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of funky terms when it comes to real estate investing, but the first uh, way that you explained it is really called a live in then rent because you're living in the property and then once you move out, you're going to rent it out. And the second option is a true house hack. So a house hack is when you're living in the property and you're renting the property out. And a house hack can be, you know, it can be creative. So you can buy a single family home and rent out, you know, buy bedrooms, say if you're a younger person or if you have a bunch of friends, you can rent out to your friends, right? Um, College student, right? A college student, if their parents, you know, are smart enough, I've seen college students do this when I was in school, their parents will buy a house for them um, and make their son or daughter manage it and have their friends live there, you know? Um, and then the other way is, is the most common way is buying a two, like a duplex, triplex or fourplex and living in one of the units and renting out the other units. What do you feel like, and obviously everybody's situation is different and you could feel free to just answer based on what worked for your story. What do you feel like is the, the best way to do it, to do house hacking? Truly, it really depends on your market, honestly, because like if I'm in L.A., um, buildings are more expensive and you're not going to get as much cash flow um, for a building out there. But you're going to get a lot of appreciation um, in equity because that's what we've historically seen in California. Now, in a market like the Midwest, I'm going to see a ton more cash flow because the price of the property compared to how much I can charge for rent is a lot, you know, I can charge a lot more rent compared to the price in the Midwest than compared to the West Coast. So that's what I mean by like really figure out your goals um, because people on the West Coast, they're more investing for, you know, equity and appreciation. And then me in the in the Midwest, I'm more, you know, focused on cash flow. So you have to take what the market's giving you first and foremost. Um, but the best way I think is really uh, the goal is to live rent free. So the main goal is to get into a place and be able to live and not have to pay a mortgage payment or a rent payment, right? So if you if that takes a, a single family home and renting out the bedrooms, or if that takes you buying a, a duplex, triplex, or fourplex and living in one unit and then renting out the bedrooms, hey, I'm I'm for it all. You know, just get rid of that mortgage payment. So from a time frame perspective, let's say someone hears this podcast and they're they're fired up. They're like, all right, it's time. This is my time. I'm ready to go. You know, what's a what's a realistic time frame range that we can kind of expect from the second you get the idea to when you're actually getting some cash flow coming from the property? What's what's a realistic time frame? So you said getting some, so the second you come from the idea to like cash flow? Right. Okay. So um, I would say a year and three months is when you're going to see your first cash flow because I say that because it takes at least 60 days 
or uh, it takes at least like 30 to 45 days to purchase a property. Um, but you just got this idea. So you're going to have to do some research. So that's why I say 90 days from now, if you just got the idea, you'd be closing on your first property and then you'd be living there for a year. Um, you have to live in the property because this will allow you to purchase it with a low down payment. So it'll allow you to buy a property with less than 20%. Um, so you would have to live in a property for a year. And then once you live there, you can rent out the space that you've been occupying and you can rent out, you know, the additional units and this will give you cash flow. So a year, I, that's why I say a year and three months. This has been a great episode of the Free Your Energy podcast and we're not done. I wanted to take a second to pause and to thank today's sponsor, Organifi. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or willpower to cook all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blend makes it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders you can add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy at any time for more energy, more nutrition, hormone balance, and peace of mind. They're a great way to start your morning, energize your afternoon, and nourish your evening. Because you are a loyal listener, of the Free Your Energy podcast, Organifi is going to give you 20% off your next order. Go to Organifi.com slash Sly, S-L-Y, and get 20% off. Again, that's Organifi.com slash Sly, S-L-Y, and get your 20% off. Let's get back to this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. How do you spend your day to day just as a as a creative, as a as an entrepreneur? How do you spend your 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 days? Yeah, so I actually have a remote nine to five and um, I'm working for a short term rental management company. So everything that I do, I'm just trying to synergize. But so I, I have work. Um, it's, you know, it's a full time job, but it really takes me about three or four hours to do my job. Um, so I do that. And then um like I'm doing creative stuff. So I'm right now I'm working on a course that I, that I want to offer to people. So I, I do a little bit of that, um, maybe for, you know, one to two hours a day, um, a lot of walking, my wife and I love being outside, um, here in Puerto Rico. So a lot of walking, um, a lot of eating and then going to the beach as well for my like day to day. <laughs> and then, uh, come home at night and really we're just, you know, we're just hanging out, you know, just having good conversation. Um, our TV doesn't even work here. So we, we haven't really watched much TV. Um, but really just being outside, you know, we can't really be outside right now in Minnesota. So we're just trying to take full advantage of it. So really just, um, doing some work in the morning, um, having lunch, going for walks, doing some creative stuff as well, working out and, and then just hanging out for the rest of the day. Um, not much, honestly, I, I feel like, you know, small, those small, uh, compound, you know, doing small things every single day will compound over time. So instead of me, I used to be a person where I used to try to get everything done in one day, and then you'd be burnt out and, you know, you might not want to do it the next day. Um, you know, I'm starting to get wiser as I get older. So I just try to, you know, batch things up small, you know, small every single day. I love, I love to hear that. Just taking those steps, just being consistent, investing in what you want, what your vision is, and just allowing it to unfold versus, you know, and that really comes from the, abundance mindset that comes from growth mindset that comes from knowing that things are going to work out in your favor and when you're in more of a, a scarcity mindset that's when you're like oh i need to get it all i need to do everything today because you think you don't have enough time or you don't have enough energy or you think you're behind 
or you think that you're not the right person for this role or for this opportunity. So I love that like full embrace of, hey, I, you know, I, there's just a few things I need to do today. You know, I really <laughs> love that. I love that explanation is, of that. That's great. What is something that you're working on, whether it's, you know, emotionally within something that something that is taking you to your next level, something that's challenging, something that's difficult, something that you need support in? What is something that you find yourself trying to integrate into your life right now? Ah, man, I think it's I really think it's speaking, you know, really talking to other people. Um, I used to be introverted and uh, even my job right now, like I'm really I'm calling people, cold calling people on the phone and trying to get them to sign up with this, you know, vacation rental management company. And initially it created a lot of fear in me um, just dialing people up or even having a conversation with people um, and being more. I wouldn't say I don't I don't like I, I don't I'm a, a natural introvert and I accept that. But just being able to, you know, to, to hold conversation, meaningful conversation. I don't want to just chit chat about, you know, <laughs> something uh, just small talk. You know, I want to have real honest conversation. And, you know, me, I think that takes me being vulnerable. So, you know, having this realization as we're speaking is really me being more vulnerable. I would say that. And that's tough. I mean, even the the society that we're in is not it's not really conducive for men to be vulnerable. We're not, we're not really used to that. We're really used to just put your head down, do the work, show up for your job or, or for your relationship. And, and that's it. It's not really, um, there's not really a lot of spaces where men can be comfortable and just say, Hey, you know, I'm suffering today. I'm struggling today. I don't feel good today because a lot of the times the response is an emas- emasculation. It's like, oh, well, don't be a bitch. Well, don't, you know, and it's just like, well, hold on. Like, I'm not being all of that. I just don't, I just don't feel good today. I just don't have it today. I just don't have my best stuff. And so, you know, I'm all about that. I'm all about that vulnerability and authenticity because, I mean, you got to be yourself. You got to be real with where you are and who you are. Otherwise, you suffer and you suffer in silence, especially as a man. We're going to suffer in silence. And um, that's no bueno. That's no bueno. We can't do that. We got to be real. We got to be honest. We got to, you know, do you have a, a men's group that you're in? Yeah, I do. I actually do. Um, I have a men's group and we meet once a month. Um, so that that has definitely been helpful with, uh, for me. Uh, tell me a little bit more about it. How's it facilitated? Is it is it online? Tell me a little bit more about the men's group. Yeah, uh, I think we've been meeting it might be close to two years now, but uh, we meet online virtually through Zoom and it's really good, you know, because it's it's a little bit of business and then it's it's personal as well. And so um, the guy like you want to be around people um, who you, you know, admire um, and who inspire you. And so uh, being around being around these guys, you know, who are married, um, you know, who have kids or are having kids and, you know, having success in business and, you know, in their personal lives as well. Um, being in a group like that, it, it helps, you know, build yourself up and, you know, show you, you know, you can do great things too. And, you know, you, everybody else goes through challenging things too. Um, you know, a lot of people struggle with being vulnerable too. Um, it just makes, you know, makes you feel more human. And then it also, you know, makes them feel more human. So I think it's, it's good to, you know, relate to other people and, um, sometimes even, you know, go through challenging things with other people or hear about them going through challenging things or sharing your challenging things, you know, um, being able to express yourself, uh, especially with other men, I think is is huge. Very important. Very happy for you to be in that men's group. And to any men listening, or if you know a man that may be struggling, I definitely 
accept that invitation of being in a, a safe container with other men. I'm in a men's group with me every Tuesday night. And we just chat about all the topics, all the topics that come out. We talk about all the trending events and everything. And it's just, it's really good to have that safe space, you know, because like I said, society is not really built to outwardly accept. You know, if, if you're in Target and you see you see a man just crying, sitting on the bench, you're a sen- you will emasculate him with your first thought. That's just the way we are. But if you see a woman crying, the thought is, dang, what's wrong with her? Is she okay? You're like, we, we tend to offer women more compassion and more love. But if we see a man, it's like, oh, look at this weak-ass dude over here, you know? And so yep. I know that's something that I'm for sure working on with myself is just being more tender with myself and being more kind. You know, I'm a former football player too. And so that football energy is just so... It, you know, you know what it is. It's over the top. You know, it's a little too much. Is it? And so, I want to ask you this: You had a super interesting post. I had to write it down. Let me see where it is. Here we go. Uh, you said you and your wife will be making forty-two thousand dollars every year for the rest of your lives. Uh, you know what post I'm talking about? Yeah, the, I do. Okay. Okay. So what is the first step of that? And how, I mean, how are you doing that? How are you executing that? Yeah, uh, I think this is like the power of real estate that not a lot of people understand. And just like we were talking about compounding earlier, so just small things, small consistent actions. And so this is really the power, the leverage of, the power and the leverage of real estate. So when you buy a place and you house hack it and you live there for one year and you only buy this place, you know, less than $20,000 out of pocket, once you move out of this place, you receive cash flow. And so for our first place, um, it was really eye opening because we lived there for like a year and didn't have to pay rent. So we stacked all that money. Um, we knew we had to do it again. Um, so as soon as we moved out, um, we started to cash flow a thousand dollars. Right. So both we rented out both sides and it was a way less cheaper. Our mortgage was way less cheaper than the amount of rent that we collected. So after expenses and everything like that, we were getting a thousand dollars every single month. Are we still are thousand dollars every single month from this our first duplex? Um, and so then we moved on. Right after we moved out, we bought a triplex. And when we our perspective has shifted, right? Because we already bought our first place. So we're like, dang, we can make a thousand dollars from there. So our next place, we're like, dang, how can we make more money from this place, right? Um, and it's really simple. It's honestly really this simple. Um, so we bought, uh, you know, a triplex again with, you know, a uh, little money down. We lived in one unit, we rented out the other unit, and then we put the third unit on Airbnb. So short-term rentals are very popular right now. Um, and so the short-term rental unit is a little tiny 500 square foot unit, um, but it it makes $2,000 every single month. And then the upstairs unit that we rent out makes um, $2,100 every single month. And we were living in the last unit, but our mortgage in that triplex is twenty five hundred. So I, I don't know. We were making like a thousand dollars while while we were living in the property. Um, and then we moved out. And when we moved out, we could rent out our unit, right? And so this is where like the snowball, you know, the compounding starts to happen. So when we moved out of our unit, we rented out our unit, you know, for I don't know, like seventeen hundred dollars. And this is after we moved out. This is when we started collecting three thousand dollars every single month from our triplex. So three thousand. And one thousand, you know, that's four thousand dollars every single month um, from our rental income, and that equals like forty eight thousand. But I took a little bit off the top just for like you know expenses or anything that happens during the year. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so that's like real estate, right? So you you buy a place and you get to keep it as an investment forever, right? So it sounds long. You don't you're not going to see cash flow for the first year, but when you move out, the money that you collect from this place is for life as long as you don't sell, right? So that's the name of the game that I'm just trying to play, right? I'm just trying to collect these assets. A lot of people they want to, you know, build wealth quickly, you know, worry doing something sexy, build wealth quickly, you know, rather than real estate I just understand it. You know, I get the basics. It's really as simple as I just explained it to you. Like, yo, I bought this place and when I move out, I'll be able to rent it and make a thousand dollars. And the next place that I'm going to look at, how can I configure it or can I put it on Airbnb or can I add a bedroom or can I do this, you know, to make a little bit more income? And so, I mean, that's what we're doing, currently doing, and we're just maximizing it, right? So instead of instead of moving fast, we're we're taking our time, but we're doing it very intentionally. We understand our goals and you know our our financial independence number, the number that we need to hit to truly be, you know, independent. Um, and that saying all that to say like, okay, we make $42,000 a year. That is semi-financial independence because we're not depending on a job to pay for our basic living expenses. So for example, my wife, she was an accountant she wanted to, you know, she hated account accounting, but it allowed her to qualify for these jobs. So I'm thankful for that. But, um, now that job is optional, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't work there anymore. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't work there anymore. Um, she gets to do what's meaningful to her and she's, I just have to give her a shout out is she's doing some good work in the community. Um, she's working for this, uh, this place called girls taking action and it's in Minnesota. It's in Minneapolis and a lot of, you know, underprivileged schools. And she goes there, she talks about mental health. Um, she's a health coach. And so seeing her be able, seeing like using real estate to be able to free her from her nine to five has been huge for me. And I think it, it can happen for other people as long as you're not focusing on speed over your, their, the direction that you want to go to in life. Sorry, that was long. You said something in there. No, no, no. Long is great. That's great. <laughs> and the passion was great. I love it, man. I, I just love how you get riled up and you're just so into it. I love it. You said something like, um, uh, we have a certain target that we're looking for for financial independence. Can you tell me a little bit more mm -hmm. about that That target, what financial independence means to you? Yeah. So my wife and I, and you know, numbers, they can change. But right now uh, our goal is $20,000 a month. And that's our financial independence number. The reason why we chose that number is because we feel like obviously we can live, you know, um, you know, the lifestyle that we want to live. But besides that, I think it's about funding um, other people, you know, so a big goal for myself is to retire my mom, you know, and um, you know, that's going to take some cash flow as well as like, I want to be the bank for, you know, other underprivileged black males, you know, I want to be the bank for them. So when they're looking to buy the first house, I can fund that for them, you know, or if they're looking to start a business, I can fund that for them. And I think starting off 20 K a month would, you know, would be, we'll be able to do some good things, uh, for our family and, and for the community. And the 20 K is, uh, Pat, like passive income coming in or just total income. Yeah. So that's, uh, this all from real estate. So, um, the goal okay. is to have, you know, 20 K $20,000 cash flow from real estate. Okay. And then what's your, your mindset on, um, investing, you know, are you into crypto? Are you investing in, um, you know, mutual funds, stocks, do you have certain single stocks companies? How do you kind of approach investing? Yeah, uh, I, I approach investing like just super on a personal level. So um, when it comes to like index funds in crypto, like I dabble with some of that stuff. Um, I bought crypto when I think it was like at $13,000 and I sold it and I was like, I was using a financial advisor. 
Um, and that's when I learned that like, you got to manage your money yourself at the end of the day and learn about money. But um, <clears throat> so like I, I dabble with uh, crypto. I love index funds, but I don't have any money in index funds. Really, my wife and I were 100 percent in real estate because we understand real estate. Right. Um, we don't have like a rational fear surrounding real estate and we understand the risk. And I'm the type of person is like, if something happens, I'm going to figure it out. And I like real estate because it's tangible. I can feel it. Uh, if I have space in the house, I can rent it out. Um, and I just, you know, this is the way that I choose to build wealth. I just, I get it, you know, I just feel comfortable with it, you know? So, um, but I definitely, you know, I definitely understand like index funds. I was very, very, uh, we did invest in index funds for a while and, you know, VTSAX, the total market, um, stock market index funds. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm a proponent of all that stuff too, but if you understand something and you know you fully get it, then you know by any means you can do that as well. So just just real estate for us. I like that. It's it's like in sports when you know the coach always says like be a star in your role, like do what you're good at. You know you don't have to do what that guy does. Do what you're good at. You found your you found your pocket and you found your niche and you're you're digging all the way in. So here's the the final question I have for you today. Um, you get one meal, okay? And this meal is cooked by the best chef in the world. You get uh, an appetizer, you get whatever entree, and then you get whatever dessert, and then whatever beverage you want. What does that meal look like? Yo, so <clears throat> the appetizer, dang, I don't want to have, I don't want to have too much seafood, but I think the appetizer would be some type of some gumbo or something like that. You know, um, some type of soup, a lobster bisque or gumbo, one of those two. And then we move on to um, the the main course. And I think that, dang, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Um, I would say, because I just had the gumbo. Ah, man, that is, I would say like that. Can I just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be random. I don't even care. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do the gumbo for the appetizer. And then I'm going to do some type of um, Thai food. For for the for the dinner, and then for the dessert, I'll probably do uh cheesecake, some type of cheesecake, flavored cheesecake or not. I, I just love cheesecake. You can't go wrong with cheesecake, man. Cheesecake. Hell, as soon hell. as that cheesecake hits your tongue, you know it's a great day. You can't complain. Like, <laughs> cheesecake is so oh, good. Oh man, yep, yep. that's a great meal. Yep. Uh, any type of beverage you need with it uh, that to go on the side with it. Uh, man, I would just say uh, I like water. I drink a lot of water, but besides that, it'll probably be wine. Um, with that meal, I'll probably do some white wine. Okay. Okay. I love it. So when I check in with you and bring you back on the podcast in a year or two, mm -hmm. what's going to be going, going on in your life? Where will you be at? Give me the vision. Oh, um, I would say a year from now, uh, I would have bought a, a couple more properties. Um, and I would have, or I am, so I am going to buy a couple more properties and I am, uh, going to have started my community. Um, and so what that community just looks like is just offering a bunch of resources, um, for people who are looking to, to get into real estate and, you know, helping them actually achieve that goal. So those are my two main, um, that's where I want to be, you know, in a year from now is having a couple more properties and a community. Um, I don't have a number to amount of people I want to be in that community, but definitely want to watch that you just want to want to build the vessel i love it i love it